This is Tony Bizzella, head women's basketball coach at Seton Hall University, and you're listening to West Coast Pirates. Horton will try to go all the way. seconds to go down by two. Here's Whitehead. Guarded by Ochefu. Gets the step into the lane. Goes to the bucket. Layup. Rolls around and in. And a foul! Whitehead ties the game! Pow! From Trenton! Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes! From just west of the Ward Place Gate in San Diego, California, he is Mike Deziri, class of 2001. I am Tom Kaharski, class of 1997. And we are Left Coast Pirates. Welcome to this week's edition of Left Coast Pirates. It is October 24th, 2021. And welcome to our senior season, everybody. We are 11 days away from the start of the men's basketball season, which will be marked with an exhibition game against Misericordia at the newly renovated Walsh Gymnasium. And everyone should know by now, I am super excited. But Mikey, how are you doing on this fine morning? Our, our senior season? What the heck does that mean? Like, it's our fourth year? Like It's our fourth year, Mike. It's our senior season. Uh, you, it almost kind of sounds like we're graduating and we're done with the, the show after this year. Should I, I take my, am I going to have my fifth grad season? Am I going to have a COVID extra year? What, 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 what was happening here? Mikey, lots of people take eight years to get done with school. You might have taken eight years to get done with school. That was not me. I got out into the real world way too fast and way too soon. No, I had my fifth year because I switched a major, but that's besides the point. The answer was, Mike, yeah, they're all called doctors, but that's okay. You're having a hard time keeping up with me this morning like normal. But, Mike, 11 days away. Aren't we both kind of jonesing, excited? Are we ready for this? Yeah, it, it kind of snuck up on me, to be honest. I, it just really has this year. I mean, th there's a lot of unknown that we've talked about, about what's coming up with the men's team. But all of a sudden, Big East Media Day hits, and you get both programs the men's team to be right there in the mix and then you have all these accolades for the women's team to be predicted as high as third to first team all conference selections for lauren park lane and andre espinosa hunter i mean there's excitement I, I don't know if third in the conference is going to be good enough to get them into the ncaa tournament but that team has the potential to do some special things this year there's that mikey He's in mid-season grouch oh, form. I oh, love it. Jeez, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting over my hangover. Just let me work through it. Here. <laughs> I'm getting Come old, on. man. Getting old. But like you said, you started talking about the women's team as we normally do. We bring on Coach Bazella to give a preview of how they're going to do this year, and I'm excited to have him on because Coach B always brings the heat. He is entering his ninth year as the Seton Hall women's basketball head coach. Please welcome back to Left Coast Pirates, Coach Tony Bazella. Coach, how are you today? I am great. Tom, Mike, great to see you guys. I'm super excited to be back on your show and start another great year. Well, Coach, before we really get into the women's preview, 
I got a little bone I need to pick with you, sir. Right. Couple, couple years ago, when I came back for senior night in 2019, you were so gracious to invite me in and have me watch practice. And then I got to talk to Shadeen. I was so super excited. But this year, it seems like that honor, that's not an honor anymore. It seems like you guys are opening up everybody. You're letting everybody come into practice and have the team talk to them. What's going on, coach? We have a, a, a little COVID uh, changing, I guess, going on. We missed everyone so much last year. Um, we got to invite everyone this year. And um, it's been great, um, guys. Um, we've had three basically open-type practices. And um, obviously the one combined with the men was an amazing crowd. And our fans came out in droves um, all three times. And uh, I can't thank them enough. We had a nice open uh, scrimmage yesterday. And um, it was a good crowd. I, I was pleasantly... Um, surprised since it was at 9 30 in the morning but i think everyone's starving to see people live and i know our girls missed our fans so much and you're welcome anytime <laughs> you come back you can sit next to me during the game that's that's a little different perk we have oh uh, I, I, I get the same invitation <laughs> no leave mike away hey, mike <laughs> on each side. i'll sit in the middle that'd be perfect i can't get in trouble then saying anything he has needled me over and over again on this show about how he was given the royal treatment and how I made a poor decision to possibly keep my get out of jail free card for the NCAA tournament that did not happen. Yeah, that was well, well in all seriousness, you know, we, we saw the pictures on Twitter. Everything looked fantastic. It looked super exciting. And and the and and Walsh looked beautiful. So we we were super excited about that. We're all alums and we remember Walsh for its history and you know, obviously the great games from obviously seeing all the great players go through there from, you know, players that people don't even remember, like Andre McLeod, who's obviously a great player. And then, you know, all, all our other, you know, great teams, obviously. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, now we're in a brand new gym with new seats and new scoreboards. And it still have that. It still has a historic field. They did a great job. Kevin Sponzo, our um um, associate director of athletics, senior associate athletic director, um, really did a great job keeping that in mind and together. All right, coach. So before we actually look forward to the new season, let's do a quick, quick flip back, kind of bring fans up to speed as to kind of how the season ended. I always like to do that with you. Team finished off 14 and seven overall, 12 and five in Biggie's play, finished third in the conference overall. And the team was riding a season high five game winning streak heading into the Biggie's tournament before losing to Creighton in the quarterfinals. Looking back at the overall body of work, where do you think a win or two here or there potentially could have gotten the team into the NCAA tournament? You know, Mike, that's a great question. And we've talked about it seriously for the last months, to be honest with the girls. Um, the last two years, we're probably one to two wins short of the NCAA. And how do we change that? Um, I think, you know, two, two years ago, we – we were right there and we had a, a tough out of conference loss to um, Lehigh and a tough home loss right at the buzzer to Princeton. And then, you know, last year we lost two close games at the end of Creighton. You know, we lost that Albany game, the third game in, I, I don't really count that as much only because, you know, with COVID we had just come back. I, I was actually my first game back. We were missing obviously Andre didn't play then. And and then uh, one of our other, uh, two of our other starters didn't play as well. So you know, I, I don't know how much the committee weighed, but we've got to find a way to win a couple of those close non-league games that that we have let slip away two years ago. 
And last year, the two Creighton games, I mean, we led them in double figures in the third quarter both times. And, um, you know, give Creighton credit, but really, I, I, I will say as a staff, we really sat down and watched um, those two games this year. And uh, we've got to come up with a better uh, defensive plan and, and do a better job, you know, educating the kids on, on, on the importance of when you're up double figures in the second half, you, you need to close those games out. And really, that was it. We'd have two, NCAA, two more NCAA bursts. So, I mean, I could be completely off with this take. Most of the scores of these games were pretty competitive outside that one UConn game. Do you think it's accurate to say that the, the team played up or down to the competition throughout the year? Yeah, I, I do. But I, I think, you know, Creighton was a, a tough team. We played them both times when they were basically at full strength. The first time they had had all their players. And the second time they had um, 85% of their players. And a lot of times during the year, they only played with 30 or 40 or 50% of their players. So they were a much better team. Um, but so I don't think we played down to them. I just think, you know, they, they made good comebacks. Uh, and even when we lost to Lehigh at Lehigh uh, two years ago, they were, they, you know, they were an NCAA team. And, you know, we, we just, I don't know because we're playing down. I, I just think we, we haven't closed the deal when we need to in these games. And our girls are pretty good, to be honest with you, Mike, and just playing who we play. Yes, that's why we're competitive against Connecticut, because we're like, oh, it's Connecticut, let's play, and we are who we are. But I also don't think we give away really any games. I mean, we lost seven games last year. I mean, you know, two to Creighton, the Albany game, and then we lost four of the close – two of them to UConn. So we really didn't lose that much. And you, you had the overtime game against Creighton. That was just a gut punch because there was opportunities, like you said, to finish them off and yes. stay here or play there. You're from this side of the TV screen. Watching that Creighton game was infuriating because those girls, those Creighton teams were shooting like the men's Creighton's team. They would not miss. I mean, it was just a just head slapper at that point. You know, you make a great point there in observation, Tom. They are two very similar teams. They're both very highly skilled offensive teams that shoot the ball really well. And if you're not defensively ready, I mean, our men, if you remember, lost that game where we, I think we led by, I'm not trying to bring up a, a sore spot, but we led 16, by double figures. 16, with, yeah. Yeah, right. right? And, and all of a sudden they hit shot after shot after shot. And that's just how how they're built out there, both those teams. They're both very well coached and you know, we, we've got to find a way at Seton Hall on the women's side, especially to when we have a chance to put the hammer down to end the hammer, to end it there. And uh, I think we've worked really hard on educating the kids um, since the summer. And um, this is a really good team we have. And I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, but this team will, 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 will play um, for 40 minutes. That's for sure. All right. So the program, just like the men's team did, decided not to participate in the NIT when all was said and done. What was the mental status of the team after that long COVID influence season that led to that decision? Well, on the women's NIT, and it was, it's run by a, a you know a close friend of mine. It was very difficult because you know you were going to be sent to certainly different areas with unique protocols, and the fact that you were basically going to do a lot of your own protocol, and we were concerned about that because we didn't know what each team's different protocols would be. Two, we had ended our season with I think five of our last six games. Um, you know, within a, you know, uh, on the road or within 15 days. And our kids were really tired. And I know the kids were not happy with me when I said we weren't going, they were annoyed, but we just felt for the safety of the kids at that point, the different protocols that were kind of being instituted by the WNIT at that point, I wasn't comfortable with our kids at that point. Obviously I had been very sick 
And I didn't want any of our kids to get sick the way I was. So that's why we did it. Our girls wanted to play. Um, they were upset with me, but I just wasn't, it wasn't the Big East protocol and that's nothing against the NIT, but it wasn't. And I wasn't going to go somewhere and really have our kids exposed. I mean, safety first, um, there are our kids. Well, the season ended the way it did. We were actually real proud of you guys, especially with all uh, the the stoppages you guys went through. I thought it was a pretty successful season nonetheless. Uh, and we were just sitting here waiting for the following season, waiting for the following season, because everything seemed to be on the up and up. And then August hit, and all this negativity around the men's program happened with the Miles Powell lawsuit. And then later on, former Seton Hall Pirate ladies player Jasmine Smith added her name to the lawsuit, which was initially filed by Powell against Seton Hall. Now, we obviously understand you can't comment specifically on the details of anything related to ongoing litigation, but to what level did this disappoint you to hear that these two former players had brought these claims against the university? You know, and, and we're told, you know, obviously we can't comment, but I will say this, and I've been at Seton Hall for eight years, and our, our director of sports medicine, Tony Testa, is as good as director of sports medicine as I've been around in 30 years. You know, he's, a, he's tremendously knowledgeable. He has our, our school affiliated with the best doctors in the country, not in the state, not in the region, but in the country. And I know each and every one of our student athletes is being given the proper um, medical treatment and medical advice. And, you know, that's really all I can say about it. But, I, you know, I, I support, you know, Tony, his group, and certainly our school. Um, they do a great job of keeping our student athletes as healthy as possible. Well, we expect when all is said and done that the school will be exonerated from all this. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But like I said, really can't say much more at this point. Where the cards fall is kind of you know how we'll tell the story at the end of the day. Let's actually move forward to things that hopefully you have some more control over the upcoming season because it's it's exciting. I mean, let's be honest. There are some top talent on your roster. And let's start right at the, the, the forefront, your point guard. You got Lauren Parkling. She's now an upperclassman. She's a junior going into this year. And her accolade list is just really a mile long after just two years on your roster. Named Big East Most Improved Player, all Big East first team last year. Averaged 17 and a half points a game, sixth best in the conference. Averaged 5.4 assists per game, second in the Big East. Set the Seton Hall single season record for an assist average. 50 career games, 50 career starts, and she gets recognized by being preseason all Big East first team. Talk about the importance of having such a solid leader on the floor like Lauren, especially at your point guard spot. She's even better. I'll be honest with you. Um, she's so much more under control. She's so much stronger, knowledgeable. She's an amazing young lady. Um, I say this all the time, and people don't understand. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, as parents, you know, we see a lot of different things. And and I, I, I you know, she's been raised the right way. She can be coached. She can be coached hard. She understands the, um, you know, pecking order of being told what to do and also handling things on her own. Parents have done a great job, but she's really good. Like I've coached Deja Simmons, Dee Dee Simmons, both honorable mention, all Americans, Shaquina Richardson, who's on my staff now, who was a WNBA draft choice. This kid's as good as they are. I mean, she is legit. She's tough, quick, confidence. 
She shoots the three. Our, our three-point line got moved back to the men. She shoots our three-pointers three, three better than she's ever shot. So I'm really excited. In addition to Lauren Park Lane, you've got Andra Espinosa Hunter, who's a fifth-year senior. She's also been named to the preseason All-Big East first team. Last year, she lit it up when she started playing. 18.6 points a game, fourth best in the Big East. She averaged almost three three-point makes first in the Big East, shot a blistering 39% from three. She even had a five-game stretch when, when she missed is when we were like grabbing our heads because she shot 58% from deep. Again, named preseason All-Big East first team. How dynamic offensively did this team become with the addition of Andra last year? Been at coach for 30 years. She did truly the most remarkable thing I've ever been associated with. Tom, Mike, she came in midway through the year. She had five practices before our first Big East game. Not first game, Big East game. The kid averaged almost 20 points a game, was first team all Big East, and immediately became my security blanket. We played, and I told the story, we played the first game at Providence. She practiced five times. She actually earned a starting spot. We're struggling. I don't know. We're down 10 or 12. We make a little run to cut it to four and I'm in the huddle and I'm yelling and you know, I'm being me and she's put her arm around me. She goes, coach B, we got this. And I'm like, well, she goes, we got this. We need you with us all year. We got it. Damn it. The kid went out there, <laughs> made a shot, took a charge, threw the ball to somebody else. I was like, I looked around. I, guys, I was like, I had an angel come, come down. And you know, I, I, I've been around a lot of great young women in my life and, you know, I got three of them on my staff that played for me, and I, I get choked up to this day thinking about it. I mean, the kid has put our program back. Shadeen's group got us, you know, where we were uh, in the past, and then this with Andre has got us to a, a new level. And I don't know if that new level is going to give us more wins, casting the answer to Blaze. I don't know, but the culture of our program has never been better. The kids want to play basketball. The kids have an understanding of, being, wanting to be successful. The kids have the understanding of it's important to represent Seton Hall and be confident and be proud of it. And she has really gotten all of us on board. And then obviously Lauren and Maya Jackson, you know, those three, I mean, but Andre coming here changed that, changed it so much. I, I can't even put it into words, but see it in my emotion. But that day I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Never. You know, we had uh, A.D. Brian Felt on earlier this year, and he talked about uh, Andra and, and the level of maturity she brought to the team. She said it was almost – he felt like it was almost having another coach uh, that showed up. Uh, how, did that, how did that help your, your squad? It was. It was – that's what I'm saying. It was like she, she, she immediately indoctrinated herself to the freshman. I remember three boxes in, she had her arm around, you know, Skylar Treadwell trying to talk to her about, you know, uh, you know, talking to Amari Wright. She, she goes, Amari Wright, my um, ROI. I'm like, what the hell is ROI? She goes, we'll give you the year, Coach B. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and she just changed it. And like, it was everything. I mean, she comes into my office every day and we just talk, you know, about her family, about what she went through. But to her credit, she learned lessons at UConn where she failed. She learned lessons at Mississippi State where she had some success and failed. 
And she never has been bitter about it. She's been, this is how I've gotten better. And that's why, you know, people say, oh, she's good enough to be in WNBA or not. I'll tell you this. I think she's definitely good enough, but I know maturity wise, she's 100% good enough. I mean, she's the leader of this program, you know, her and LP and Maya, but it all started and I think gave them confidence to be the leaders they are now. So Tom wanted to talk or highlight the, the leadership. I want to go in a different direction here. There's an intensity that I get from Andra and from Lauren. We, we were talking to Lauren when we had her on with Maya and we're trying to give him a nickname. So we're like fire and ice, right? And clearly to me, Lauren is the fire, but who's more intense between the two on the court? Or is it just equally? Uh, no, it's it out of control with those two because if I put them on opposite teams, they're like going at each other. And, you know, if we do a, a shooting drill or we scrimmage and one team's winning or losing, the other one's like, well, we got to go longer. Or we got to, this person didn't count right. We got to do it again. And it's unbelievable. And then, you know, those two are, are like fire and ice. And then you got Maya Jackson right down the middle, passionate, you know, tough. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have a great mixture of the three. But, you know, Andre and LP are, are fire and ice. And it's funny. I, I, I think it's a good question. I'll ask them tomorrow. I'll say, you know what? Mike <laughs> wants to know which one's fire, which one's ice. And I will text you. That's a really good question. Well, I, we, we, we tried to give uh, Maya the, uh, the, the ice uh, moniker, but I guess uh, Andre's stepping in and taking over. Uh, well, all right, so let, let's stay with Maya here, because Maya, to me, is an intriguing piece of this puzzle, right? So she's also a junior. She started all 21 games last year, averaged 10 points a game, shot 41% from distance, fourth best in the Big East. And I love the intensity that she brings to the game also, but at the end of the season, it seemed like she was splitting minutes with Jasmine Smith, who has since transferred to Loyola Marymount. And I, 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 like I said, I don't know if that was strategic. I just don't have a better balance with Jasmine, but I would assume that she has to step up and take on a much bigger role for this team to reach the heights that it wants to get to. No, absolutely. And I'll tell you this, there's been no better player this year on our team than Maya Jackson. So we had a long talk with Maya and Maya was never the same after COVID. She never had the same energy and consistent energy and bounce to her game. She really suffered from COVID. And, and, and that was one thing. So I think that hurt her. Two, I, I think you, you'll see someone from Maya that understands her role and is much more comfortable in where she is. And people like, well, they think it's a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. Maya's going to do so many things. She got herself less bulked and more athletic. I mean, she had 27 on inner squad yesterday and was clearly the most dominant player on the court for a lot of the game. And that's not because we don't have really good dominant players. So you're right. We need a much better version, but there's no question. We have double that version right now. She's been fantastic. Um, she's 100% healthy and um, she's only going to go onwards and upwards the next three uh, years. You know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I, I'm very transparent with you guys as well. You know, she came into my office at the end of the year. She had texted me our year ended and I'd say, all right, guys, when I've ended the year meetings and she texted me and she goes, I want to meet now. I'm like, I'll be honest. And I said this to her. I'm like, oh, crap. She don't want to transfer. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, we can't lose her. I'm like, you know, I know she struggles. She comes in and she sits down and she's got a serious look. She's very serious. You know, her father, you know, and, and her mother raised a super educated, super respectful young woman. And I'm like, all right, she's going to tell me. And I'm going to have to try and convince her to stay. And she goes, I got to do better. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I got to do better for you. She's like, nope, I got to do better. She's like, you know what? Tell me, help me to get better. 
I'm like, yeah, I know, but I got to do a better job of, you know, coaching you. And she goes, no, 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 no. coach, I got to do better. So we go through the whole conversation. It was a beautiful conversation, about 20, 30 minutes. And, 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 and we get up and we give each other a hug. And she goes, you seem a little, you know, I go, I, th- I thought you were going to transfer. She goes, transfer? So this is my team. She's like, this is our team. She's like, I love it here. I love my teammates. I love you. And it was, I think that was a big step in our development as well. And I give her so much credit in her family. I mean, she's, again, I got to tell you, I, I love her. She's a really good player. Like, and she's back to playing defense the way she could play. I mean, she dedicated herself these last six months to becoming a better player. That's all the credit to her and her family. It's impressive to see young student athletes take accountability, right? You know, there's Absolutely. a maturity level that sometimes you don't expect. So I'm going to hold you accountable too, coach. Great. Last, <laughs> last year when we talked, we kind of threw the two of them out as this dynamic backcourt. You've coached some great backcourts throughout your years. And we said, hey, where could they kind of fall on the list of, you know, all-time Seton Hall backcourts? And you said, hey, I'm not so sure if you're ready to put them on that plateau yet. Let them kind of earn it. I'm going to ask you again now. Are, are they trending in that direction where they could possibly be your best backcourt, but when all said and done? Yeah, I mean, Shakina and Alicia Powell and Didi and Deja Simmons are, are, are the standard. And I would say they are now because they're working at, at a standard that, you know, no one has, has done before. And that's not a knock on the others. That's just how hard those two have worked and continue to work. I mean, those two kids are legit. Um, I'm blessed. So we had Harry Peretta, the former Villanova coach, come to our practice the other day. And um, halfway through, he goes, come over here, come over here. And I I stroll over. He goes, puts his arm around me. He goes, you got a hell of a backcourt there, Coach B. (laughs) I'm like, you think? He goes, those three kids. He's like, there ain't none better in the country. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, no. He goes, there's none better in the country. UConn has theirs. You know, South Carolina has theirs. You got yours. And he was very upfront and honest. He goes, offensively, they're 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 tremendous well the excitement should be real because you've got these three stars coming back accounting for 45 points a game from last year's team but you also have some intriguing players that are coming in under the radar i think i think most importantly you got sydney cooks a redshirt senior 6-4 forward center she transferred in from mississippi state similar to how andra did victoria keenan Junior, she had some sparks last year, including two games where she went like a crazy seven for seven from three-point land. Cortessa Dean, she was a redshirt junior, highly regarded Juco transfer, lost last season to injury. You got Katie Armstrong, grad transfer, made second team All-Mac two years in a row. And Ariel Cummings, who us old heads like Mike and myself remember that she's a niece of former NBA player Terry Cummings, you know. So from this group, who could end up having the biggest impact? I got to tell you, you hit the, all the impact ones. That's what I love. Come on. That's no. easy. I got five guys, all of them. All of them. Come on, that, that's my coach. That's a mic. That's a mic answer. You can't give me a mic answer. You can, no, no, no. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you each one. Sydney Cooks is, is a chance to be a first round WNBA draft choice. I would love to tell you I had a ton to do with the recruiting process. Um, that was Andre Espinosa Hunter, you know, um, my recruiting coordinator. Um, Lauren, Marissa, who does a lot of recruiting for me as well, and um, Jose, they'll all tell you. It's Andre Espinosa Hunter. Andre, so Sydney gets in the portal. And, you know, Lauren, my recruiting coordinator, goes through the portal each day. 
she goes, I'm going to ask um, Andre if she knows this kid. And then she goes, Andre, you know this kid? She goes, yeah, yeah, she's going to come to Seton Hall. I'm like, shut up. I'm like, she's number five ranked kid in the country coming out of high school. She, you know, she played in the under-19 Olympic team, under-17 Olympic team. Andre goes, hold on. I played on one of those teams too. I'm like, all right, all right. I, I got you. She's like, she's going to come here. I'm like, listen, if she comes here, I'm going to take you out to dinner. Well, a hundred dollars later for dinner, she came here. Oh, wait, we don't want any recruiting oh. violations or anything. No, right no, now, no. Coach, I'm relax. Allowed, I'm allowed. There was a bunch of us, <laughs> and I'm allowed to take her out to dinner. That I'm allowed to do, and she was fantastic. You know, um, she. I couldn't meet Sydney. We we're in COVID. We weren't allowed to have visits. Um, I talked to Sydney on the phone. We did a couple, um, you know, zooms. But Andra told her about our program. Told her how much she enjoyed it. Told her how much Sydney's going to enjoy it. Um, and sold the program. You know, and then Warren Park Lane got on Zoom with her and they basically sold the program. And and, and that's what why our program is as good as it's ever been. Not wins and, and this and, and all-stars. It's the people that are in the program, the 14 young ladies here, all 14 love being here. And I think that says a lot about the culture they have established. You know, I don't set the culture. They set the culture. I just try and help out with it. And that's how we got Sydney. And, and Sydney, 6'4", 6'5" in a graduate school now, has two years of eligibility, shoots the threes, got great post moves, extremely intelligent player, played on the best of the best of the best in the, in the country. I mean, clearly as a potential to be, you know, you know, one of our all-time best forwards ever to be at Seton Hall. Let me talk about Cortesia Dean Nunu. Set out last year with Achilles. Um, I think, you know, it, it has a chance to be really special. Um, smart, tough, our, our most physical player, aggressive, um, I, I think those things are going to really make her um, one of the best um, newcomers to our team. I, I love her. Katie Armstrong, smart, intelligent, runs the floor really well, um, was really well coached in college. We got her because she had already completed her master's at Fairfield. She had nothing left um, to do there. So she came um, and really, really liked the program that we had to offer. So I, I think she's going to be a, a, a really good player for us. Um, I love Cummings' uh, niece. Big, strong, sweetheart. Um, just, just hugs you every day, sees you. Um, really gives us a great low post presence. Um, battles Sydney in practice every day. I think it's going to be great. And I think Maya Bembry is a kid who's come in amazing shape. Had, I think, 12 points and nine rebounds on our inner squad yesterday. People forget she was um, first team all state um, out of Jersey right here in West Orange. You know, it took her a little while to get used to you know, coming back to Seton Hall, especially after the um, pandemic. She, those those guys can really help. And of course, Victoria shoots the lights out. But one kid we didn't mention, I think that's going to be a real impact player is Amari Wright. She came back and she really benefited from a summer and a fall with us. And really, I know we have the best point guard around. Around. I mean, Lauren Bark Lane is, I could talk about it for hours. And you'll see some of the preseason accolades she's going to get, which are well-deserved. But Amari Wright's a really good player, and I'm going to play them together as well. Well, I, I love it, Coach. You say you got 14 girls that are bought into the program, but in two weeks, it's going to be five girls that are going to start up against St. Thomas Aquinas in that exhibition at Walsh. So do you have a good feeling yet as to who your starting five are going to be? You know, I, I do. I, I think we'll start Lauren. I'm going to do that. Probably Maya, probably Andre. Um, you know, I, I think Sydney's, you know, certainly earned it. Um, and, and I think that other spot is, is, is um, really, you know, Katie could start. Maya Bembry could start. 
Um, Kutisia could start. I mean, those three have all really done a great job. You know, um, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it's going to go game by game, who we play, and do we need a little more offense to start the game? That'll be Kutisia. Do we need a little more um, defense to start the game? Probably be Katie. And do we need a little bit more of an all-around um, player? And that would be Maya. So, um, you know, it's nice to have those choices. But we'll go a good amount uh, into our bench. Um, one, because of the pace we play, but more importantly, because we have good players. I was about to say that, right? Most teams try to kind of consolidate and get down to an eight-person rotation by the time the end of the year rolls around. But with your pace of play, with the talent that you have, is it going to be more of a 10-person, a 10-woman roster that's going to be constantly logging the minutes? Or could it even go deeper than that? Nah, I tell you, if I tell Lauren Park Lane it's going to be 10 people, she's going to yell at me because she doesn't want to come <laughs> off the floor. Same with Maya Jackson, same with Andre. You know, I, I, I think, Mike, you know, I, I know clearly Maya Bembry. Um, um, if Katie were to start, say, Maya Bembry, um, Curticio, Nunu, and Amari Wright, um, and um, Ariel, those nine certainly, you know, are, are going to be in, in that top rotation. I think, you know, the others, you look at Victoria if we need a shooter. Um, Kayla Harris has played well. Um, her knee's been bothering her, but she's done a good job. I'm happy with her. Scarlett Treadle gets better every day. Um, you know, that, that, that's a big thing. And then we have a nice experience. Um, person, Danielle Robinson on the bench. Um, she played for us for a lot of years. So like she knows the game. Um, you know, those guys are battling. And um, McKenna Minters missed um, most of the preseason with um, an injury, but she's starting to come back to practice now. So, you know, we have a different, depending on the game, could we go to nine or 10 or 11? Absolutely. But, you know, I think they're quitting nine right now. But like I said, Skylar's trying to play good for us in the few games we were in. She came in last year. So I'm not afraid to go to any of those people. So how do you manage those expectations then, right? Everyone's looking to jump into the transfer portal or get their minutes. You know, you have, you have 15 scholarships on the women's side. How do you manage those expectations? Well, we went to 14 this year because we kept the scholarship because we just, um, you know, wanted to make sure that we didn't over, over have over too many people. Um, it's hard. I mean, we, we, we talk about every day. We do a teamwork like video or a teamwork quote every day. And, and the girls themselves are, are, are really like each other and really bought in. And yes, do they all want to play? Absolutely. Um, I would be upset if they didn't want to play. But I also said, listen, I, I, I heard our quote the other day was, you know, someone said to the um, quarterback that just played the other day for the Browns, um, all right, so um, you heard you were going to start, uh, you, know, uh, you know, how do you prepare yourself? And his answer was, I've already prepared myself in the weeks coming to this, and I'm re ready to start. So we tell our girls, you are to be prepared because you never know. The one thing that we talked about this year with COVID is we're not stopping. Last year, if someone got COVID, we postponed the game, we moved on, we did this. This year, we're playing. There's no, like, stoppages. So if you play with eight, you play with eight. You play with 14, you play with 14. You're missing a couple of kids. They don't care. We are told you're playing on Wednesday, you play Wednesday. Play Sunday, you play Sunday. And that's, you know, that's what we have to do. And that's why I told the kids, this year more than ever, we're going to need everyone. I like it. I, I, actually, I did not know that. So that's actually uh, encouraging for the fans that we're going to be moving full head, full steam ahead, right? We're go yeah, we're going ahead. Like the Big East has told us, listen, you know what? The NCAA rule is you need to have five to play. If you got five, you're playing. That's what we're doing. And, and I like it better that way. Yeah. Am I going to be upset if we're missing a kid or two? Of course. But at the end of the day, there's nothing worse than, you know, sitting in the hotel, um, ready to play UConn at UConn 
And um, Coach Oriama calls me and goes, we have a problem. Someone on the team we played last time, so not his team, someone on the other team tested positive. So we're shut down, and then the next group is shut down. So, nice. like, that stinks. He was upset. I was upset. And now we, we, we know we're playing. doesn't matter. Let, let, let's just say, God forbid, we've got five healthy girls coming into a play in the game. If UConn has five healthy girls, I'm okay with. Let it, yeah. you know. I'm not worried about about Gino and the Huskies. You come with five healthy girls might be good enough to beat anybody in the country still, though. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just get foul one out. They will play five yeah. on four. I'm okay with that. All right, let, let's talk about the schedule and who we actually are going to be playing this year. So you have nine non-conference games on the schedule, highlighted by Iowa in Cancun and at Princeton. Here's my question. Do you feel there are enough opportunities to bolster the tournament resume, or was there a mindset that their 20-game conference schedule was going to be grueling enough to get where you needed to be? No, I mean, I, I think there's enough games. And because while the names aren't as sexy, I'm going to quickly go through this. Mount St. Mary's went to the NCAA tournament last year. That's our first game. Fordham is, is picked in the top three in the A-10 every year. That's our second game. Lehigh, our third game, went to the NCAA tournament last year. Our fourth game is Iowa, ranked 10th in the country. Our fifth uh, team is Toledo. That's averaged 18 wins a year for the past four years. Our sixth game is Princeton. Obviously, we know how good they are always. Um, two years ago, they, when they played in the Ivy League, they went to the NCAA tournament. So, um, our seventh uh, team, um, oh, we have Iona in there, which, again, is a little bit of an alma mater type thing for my staff. Our eighth team is an NCAA playing type game in UCF. They went to the tournament last year. We thought we deserved to go in. They got in over us, so now let's play. And to their coach's credit, we're going to play a home-and-home starting at Seton Hall. And then the ninth game is Wagner, which finished second in their league last year. So, yes, did we want to get a few more marquee names? Absolutely. We called everyone from Oregon to Tennessee to Kentucky, who was looking for games in the New York area, wouldn't call us. I'll be blunt. Rutgers, we offered – four, five, six, seven different times to play, starting a hardwood classic, starting at their place. They refused to play us. And, and again, that's disappointing in so many ways. We are trying to, you know, really, everyone wants to bring women's sports up and really make it better and get more equity. Well, we're trying to get equity and our opponent won't even play us. And, you know, th that's disappointing. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Stringer and for Rutgers and obviously their AD. I know really well, but at the end of the day, they should have played us. It's wrong. And then, and I'll say it just like they figured it out with the men. It should have been figured out with the woman. And uh, we're not scared of anyone. Our schedule this year is great. We've already put ourselves in the number one tournament in the country next year. Paradise jam. So we're, we're ready to go. Uh, oh, figure Rutgers is running. This doesn't shock me. They get a little taste they got Greg Schiano on a helicopter going to look at a recruit. They have one little good season for their basketball team, and they're pumping themselves up. Forget it. Forget Rutgers. I, I was going to say, I felt like the coach just handed me my lunch with that question. I mean, I'm sitting there kind of trying to poke holes, and he's like, don't bring that weak stuff. He's like, I, I got the schedule down. He goes, when the, when the NCAA committee wants to start asking me about why we're in, I'm going to tell you why we should be in. I love it. Hell yeah, and and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not – you know, that UCF game, you know, we could have put X, Y, Z on the count. In fact, you know, we asked Kentucky four different times and was willing to go there, willing to play almost a back-to-back, -back, and Kentucky wouldn't play us. And I said of all the teams that 
you know, Oregon's a great friend of mine. We tried every day to work out. We just couldn't figure it out. Um, you know, a couple of the other teams were great. Um, Stanford was great. We went back and forth, tried to move dates. We both did. We just couldn't figure it out. But Kentucky, I had the date. And I was willing to go when they wanted, wouldn't play us. And I don't care. People get mad. Oh, you shouldn't say things. I'm being blunt. You know, at the end of the day, someone calls me. I'm going to tell you, no, you're not the team I want to play because it doesn't fit into what we're looking for or we're going to play. I'm not going to make, well, you know, no. And we should be playing Rutgers. There's no doubt in my mind. And um, I'll say it. People can get mad at me for it. But at some point, we want to promote women's basketball. The two best teams in the state of New Jersey should be playing. Listen, us and Princeton play every year. I mean, we play every year. You know, their coach, Carla Ruby said, I tried to play them. They won't play us either. At the end of the day, you know, it's time for, you know, us to, to really promote the sport. And that's what we want to do. All right, let's. I know we're joking a little bit here, but let's continue with the joking theme, right? We're we're always saying that if there's something to be upset about with the Big East schedule, Kevin Willard will undoubtedly find it. However, if there's anybody that should have a gripe this year, it's it's got to be you. I know it's probably fun from a fan perspective to open conference play versus national powerhouse UConn, but come on, coach, be honest. There's no way you wanted that game early in December. Well, you know what. We're willing to play when we play, and I'll, I'll be honest. Listen, we're picked third. We finished third the last two years, which says a lot about where the program is. Um, we're picked third this year. Um, you, I, I don't think it's too often you see the first and third place teams being the first game of the year in the Big East. I'll say that. But doing the schedule is extremely difficult, and um, our uh, Big East um, associate commissioner does the best she can. And Tracy's got a lot of um, uh, limitations. So this is where it fit in. This is where we're going to play. Um, and, and I'm excited because let's see where we are early in the year. I mean, our other non-league games are going to test us. I mean, they're all teams that, like I said, made the postseason. Most of them made the NCAA. So we did our best to prepare ourselves to play UConn. And, you know, it, it, it's no favor that next toughest team for us has always been St. John's because of the rivalry we have. We have them Sunday on the road. So, listen, I tell our kids all the time, you play who's on the schedule, let's go. And they're ready to go. They would play tomorrow. They, they would. Well, well, all joking aside, you're not the only one super excited for this game. All us fans are, are super excited for that first conference game. On top of that, it, you know, the university gets to show off that new gem, that re newly renovated Walsh Gymnasium, which looks beautiful in all the pictures. How pleased are you with how things turned out in that? I, I, I'm not saying this to, to, to make people feel good or stuff. And, and again, as we just talked about Rutgers, I say, I, I say how I feel the job that I, I, I know Kevin Sponzo had a lot to do with the design and it's, it's amazing, but Pat Lyons vision early on, obviously everyone knows how much I love Pat. We've been friends for a long time. He's been my boss for a long time, but he had this idea years ago. And I was like, okay, I didn't even understand. I mean, I'm not good at that stuff. But when I walk in and, you know, Brian felt taking the mantle and continuing this, when I walked in the gym, I, I, I was speechless. And then I got disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I looked at the video scoreboard and it's a clearer picture than my own TV. And I'm like, <laughs> be. I'm like, it just can't be that way. It is unbelievable. Tom, like, Mike, like you walk in and like going into the Madison Square Garden. We were just at Madison Square Garden the other day. And I was like, I saw the video scoreboard and I, and I, and I turned to, um, to um, Matt Sweeney. I go, our scoreboard's clearer than that. It's unbelievable. Like we spared no expense. 
the floor, when the guy was putting the floor down, you know, I like to talk to everybody. I walked in, I go, what, you know, what do you, you know, how's this floor coming? He goes, coach, you don't understand. This is the best of the best floor you can get. We put this floor down on all the NBA arenas. I'm like, really? He's like, top of the line floor, the cushioning. And he's explained three inches and all this. Stuff. I don't understand it. But to say I'm super pleased and super humbled to be able to coach in it, would be a gross understatement. It's really, really nice. And if it was just, okay, I would tell you, it's good. You know, I would never embarrass anyone. It's amazing. Like, just, like I said, the video scoreboards, the floor, the feel, you know, I mean, Kevin, Brian Fell, Pat, like, obviously Dr. Nyer, but I, I can't thank them enough. But most of all, girls can't thank them enough. They, you know, it's nice to say you're, you know, you know, you, you care about the team and do this, but when you show things, especially the 18 and 22 year olds, it means a big difference. And when they see, when they saw that gym, they were excited to say the least. Well, now you've already said this isn't your, it's, it isn't your bag. And you know, they probably didn't consult with you on the final architecture plans or the budget line items, but it wouldn't be us if we didn't complain about something. Wouldn't you say at this point, it would have been time to get rid of, that antiquated stage. I mean, I'm a lifelong Catholic schoolboy, and that looks like the old gym. That stage looks kind of like the old gym at IHM school down the road in Maplewood, New Jersey. Come on, coach. They should have gotten rid of that. No, we, we talked, we talked about a lot of different things and, 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 you know, there's a lot of reasons I, I think why the stage was kept, but I think a big reason was it structurally. I mean, you have to remember, we did this project in six months basically six months, the season ended March, whatever it did. They got in there April 1st. They started April, May, June, July, August, September. We were in there by October 1st. They did it in six months. And I think if you had to, you know, knock the stage down, restructure the whole thing, we're probably looking at a year, year and a half. And then we're playing down at Rutgers Newark, our games. So I think there's a lot of balancing that you had to do there. And, um, you know, for what they had to deal with and for how fast they did it, um, I think that's why that's a big reason we had to do that. And there's a lot of things that we utilize the stage for. Listen, at the end of the day, we're a small Catholic university. We all went there. We love it. We knew it. You know, how, how they make it look, it's not as bad. When they open that curtain for the UConn game and they put all the press back there, it's really impressive. And I know they have some great ideas to fix it up back there. And I think some of their ideas are going to make it, you know, we're going to look at it and be like, it might not even be a stage. I, I mean that. I, I, I think time-wise, to save us a year, it was amazing. Um, and, and everything they did and are planning to do with it, it'll be great. Tom doesn't realize they hold a lot of the honors graduation ceremonies using that stage. I got to participate in that. You know, Tom didn't have that experience. Uh, Mikey, I got, I, Mike, you know, I That's don't know. That's a great line, Mike. Idea. <laughs> I didn't participate uh, either, though, Tom. Next podcast, I'm bringing out my highest GPA in my class uh, award. Okay, pal? There you go. Love it. Tom, I can't predict how that's going to go on the next podcast, but what we can predict is what the coaches thought about where the teams are going to finish this year in the upcoming season. So the whole coach was picked to finish third behind UConn and DePaul. Most prognosticators are saying that after UConn, anybody can finish in positions two through five. But unfortunately, being in that group might not be good enough. In the past two seasons, an NCAA tournament was held. The Big East has only sent two representatives from the conference into the tournament is this conference deep enough to send three or four schools to the big dance i would tell you this and, and i'll shed a little behind the scenes talk if we don't get four teams in this year we're going to really have a long look at how we're going to do our scheduling because we have 
four of the best teams in the country at the end of, and now that we're going to have 68 teams, there's no question in our life. In our mind. We have one of the top five teams in the country, clearly in Connecticut. I think the best team in the country, um, but we're going to get four teams in. We're going to get in. I, I think DePaul will get in. They'll rejuvenate what they did. And then you have a good group of other people between Marquette or, or um, St. John's or, you know, a sleeper like a Providence and, uh, you know, we have other really good teams. Creighton, obviously, you know how much respect I have for them. Um, I, I, I have to tell you, if we don't get four teams in, I would be hard-pressed to see that we do a 20-game schedule again. Because if we don't, then the committee has has not done their job. We have to win non-league games in our league. We did not get a chance last year. Two years ago, I think, while we, when we didn't have the tournament, we probably would have had – three or four teams in. And yes, the year before we only got that too. So we've got to make sure that we win our non-league games, but this is a strong league. We'll get four teams in this year. Um, if not, then I, I will tell you, we will probably end up changing the Big East uh, schedule on the women's side. All right. So a lot of positivity, a lot of excitement. We're talking about a lot of the talent. I'm going to put the pressure back on you now. You, you basically said you guys should be in. Should sure. there be, should there be an expectation that this team has to make the dance from a accountability perspective from let's say your AD. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any questions. This is an NCAA level type team. I mean, you know, I, I always say this, there's eight games during the year that with five minutes, they are going to be tied. You have to win more than half of them. You know, in the past we've done that and, and made the tournament the year we made it uh, my third year. We won, you know, a, a few of those really close games at the end. And my second year, we won three games on a Sunday, either by one point or in overtime. Um, you know, and we, we, like you said, our, our last two years, we've lost those. We lost the Creighton game. We lost, um, you know, um, the year before we lost uh, Lehigh in the Princeton games. Like, you know, I, I think this team, if we're healthy, is going to have a great chance to answer the tournament. And yes, it's our expectation. I'm going to say this. If we don't make the NCAA tournament, you'll have a really disappointed group of people. Does that mean they're, you know, underachievers? I don't know, because you don't know how, why we didn't make it. But if we don't make it, we'll be very disappointed because that's the expectation that our, our girls have. Not that Coach Bazella has, but that our girls have. I'll take well, it one step further then. Could, could this team do damage in the, in the tournament? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, you know, when you go into the tournament and why, why it was so disappointing two years ago for our men, yes, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we, we had a, you know, a successful year with the boys and, and, and everything, but why we could have gone really deep was because we had really great guard play. Obviously miles, we all know about that, but we had Quincy, we had, you know, um, you know, Jared and miles Cal and, and I'm sure I'm missing one or two other um, real good guards on that team. You know, guard play is what gets you deep. And, you know, we have three of the best guards in the country. Like the Villanova guy said, he put his arm around me and the, the, the ex Villanova coach, Harry Breda, it, like I said, in practice and goes, you got a hell of a backcourt. Like they're really good. And then obviously we have, a, a, you know, a big time, big person. I mean, she shoots a three handles the ball. She's played at the highest level um, in, you know, in, in our country. So yeah, we have all the pieces to, to do well, but you know, you give the tournament, it's all about bracket and who you play and matchups, but we just want to get in. If we get in, I think we have a chance to do really well. Cause that means we're playing well. Well, the expectations are real and not only from fans. I mean, we watched the big East, uh, media day special that they put out on YouTube and it almost looked like a Seton Hall pregame show. Lauren Park Lane was interviewed. 
Sydney Cooks was interviewed. You were interviewed. I mean, that was it. Nobody, I, I don't think any other school had as many. Maybe St. John's did, but it was very Seton Hall centric, if you ask me. So, coach, there's a lot of people looking at this team saying, this is going to be the, this is going to be the year. Well, one of the things I'll tell you is, you know, the Yukon Riders come in, in, in full and, and I've become actually, you know, you know, well acquainted with them through the years because I think, you know, we're the one team in the Big East that's given them the, the, the biggest challenges from two years ago when we played them in a non-league game and Lauren and Maya had, you know, tremendous games to last year where we led them at the half at their place um, and trailed by four at the end of three quarters. The Yukon Riders usually ask, well, tell me about Yukon. And I know that's a big thing. When they met with me, tell me about Seton Hall, they said. So that's a lot of respect that our kids have gotten. And we were very, we were asked very few questions about UConn. While most of the other schools were asked a lot of questions about UConn. And why I say that is there's a lot of respect for our players and our talent that we've developed. And, you know, my associate head coach is the best recruiter in the country. She does a great job. Marissa Flag's right there with her. She, those two young ladies are constantly constantly recruiting people and Lauren, you know, is always finding ways. I mean, you know, she's the one that helped us, you know, it was her idea to get Andre eligible mid semester. And uh, we're blessed with great recruiters. And obviously Jose is, you know, a master of, you know, our offense and he's a tremendous head coach. You know, he just helps me in so many ways. Um, I, I just can't tell you, we have a lot of good players and that's why we have a chance to be very good. Um, no, we run a great offense. We run a great defense. Well, that doesn't matter if you don't have good players. And we do. And that's why at that media day, they were asking us questions, not because of who I am or because of Seton Hall, but because who Seton Hall had as players. And those four young ladies are really good. Well, coach, before we let our guests go, we make them walk the plank. We're going to ask you five rapid fire questions, coach. We're expecting five rapid fire answers. Don't think about it. Just give us the first thing that pops to the top of your head. You think you're ready for this coach? I am. I'll get in trouble, but I'm ready to go. You, you can blame Brian felt for this. It used to be, you come on for the first time you get hit with the walk, the plank, and then you're absolved for all future obligations. But Brian basically said, Hey, don't, don't I get a second chance at this? He and now us out. And then now we have to do it. Every time he comes on, this is your third time to go through this. It gets harder to write these questions a third time around. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So if they're a little bit off the beaten path, my apologies, but here we go. I love right. it. Question number one, best women's coach in the game, past or present? Gina Oriyama, not even close. Uh, number two, if you could schedule any team, who would it be? We would love to play Tennessee. That's going to be our team we're going to get. Number three, toughest road environment in the current Big East. Connecticut. After no. Paige Bukers, who is the next best player in the conference? Oh, Lauren, Andra, Espinosa Lane. One through 11 in the Big East. Where does Seton Hall women's basketball finish? Top two. Bonus question. If you went back to your previous school today, who would be more recognizable on campus at Iona? You or Kevin Willage? Oh, jeez. I'm going to say me, you know, I, I've been there a lot longer than Kevin. He's been there three more years as a coach, but geez, I was there four years as a student. I came back all the time. You know, I think Kevin will want it to be me because, you know, you know but you know, both, I, I got to say this. Kevin's got a great team this year, by the way. He's a tremendous coach. I've probably watched 
half a dozen of his practices. I've learned something each and every practice as usual. Yeah, I, I, we're blessed to have him as our men's coach. We really are. Congratulations, coach. You have walked the plank. They don't get any easier, do they? No, they don't. That uh, Lauren Andre Espinosa Lane um, question was really good. <laughs> well, hey, coach, as always, we're super excited for the season. We're so happy that you took some time out of your Sunday here to talk to us. And we wish you and the ladies nothing but the best upcoming. And we're expecting an NCAA tournament appearance this year. I know the girls are. I just want us to enjoy ourselves, have fun, stay healthy. I, I can't thank you guys enough for not only, you know, really promoting and, and, and supporting and following women's basketball, you know, we have to ask the hard questions. I think if we don't ask the hard questions, then we really don't care enough about the program. You guys are always, you know, well-versed in everything you do. Um, that's why I love being on. And I love that you have our players on because it's a real, it's a real podcast. It really is. Well, hopefully we'll be doing a whole bunch of NCAA tournament special editions this year. How about that? Right. That, that sounds great to me. Coach Tony Bazell, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of left coast pirates. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or any other of your favorite listening platforms. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter with our handle at L coast pirates. We are also proud members of the What You Expect Network of Podcasts. And don't miss out on any of our previous episodes that include interviews with Seton Hall legends, Danny Calandrillo, Mark Bryant, Andrew Gaze, Shaheen Holloway, and many others. For Tom Kaharski, I'm Mike Desiri, and you've been listening to Left Coast Pirates. (laughs) 